where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. I always forget which direction is the future, so I just say we're going there. We're going there. Welcome to Technology Revolution. I have such a great show for you today. We're talking about music, the future of music, musicians, and technology. It's part two. A couple of my guests from part one a few months ago are back and some newcomers. So let me get started with my opening quotes. First off, guests, just wave hello officially to LinkedIn. We're live streaming. Yes. And wave hello. hello live streaming yes we're here you got to stay around for the hour i'm saying this to our viewers and our listeners we're also broadcasting live audio on the voice america business channel because this is about the business of music we're just doing thought leadership and having a good time here so let me give you a couple quotes i have a really cool quote here from oh my goodness gracious who is this one from eddie van halen who left us in 2020 you all know singer songwriter guitarist keyboardist from the rock band Van Halen, which he founded in 1972 with his brother who was a drummer. I didn't know that. Here's the quote. Listen up. If you want to be a rock star or just be famous, then run down the street naked. You'll make the news or something. But if you want music to be your livelihood, then play, 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 and play. And eventually you'll get to where you want to be. Everybody love that quote? Isn't that like, you know, the quote of the, the old, old, there's a joke about a musician says, where's Carnegie Hall? How do you get there? And what was it? Practice, practice, practice. The old guy says to him, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, 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 not take a ride on 57th Street. Here's another quote from Maya Angelou, memoirist, poet. She wrote plays and movies, honorary degrees. I think she has 50 of them. She says, music was my refuge. I could crawl into the space between the notes and curl my back to loneliness. Serge, I bet that rec- resonates with you. Yes, beautiful quote from Maya Angelou. And here's a song, a quote from Dick Dale, who's a rock guitarist called the king of the surf guitar. I don't even know what a surf guitar is. He passed away in 2019, rock guitarist. Listen to this. Every song is like a painting. Do you all agree on the panel? A song is like a painting? Giving you, Drew, what do you think? Song is like a painting. 100%, yeah. Yeah, paints a picture musically. So I have a couple more quotes before we introduce our guest. This one is from a website called interestingengineering.com. Listen to this. New technology in music has changed the way we listen to the music and the way we create music. From synthesizers to DAWs, Drew, I'm talking to you, and from CD players to iPhones, the landscape of music has changed and is very different from the days of your parents. Now, are they talking to my parents, Scott? Are they talking to your parents, Serge, to your parents, Nelson? Nelson, Drew, are they talking to your parents too? Music has changed and you're, you're very young. Very true. They t- like to tell me that a lot. <laughs> okay, good to know. And then I have a quote here. Uh, this is interesting. Albert Einstein, I don't know if you know, he was the vice president of the Princeton Symphony from 1952 to 55. I always find that amazing. And he said in an interview in 1929 with the Saturday Evening Post that if he hadn't been a scientist, he would have been a musician. Can you imagine what would have happened to all of the inventions 
all of the brilliant math that Einstein contributed to the world if he decided to be a musician. I wonder what kind of music he would have made. Anyway, he didn't say a composer, just a musician. And I have one more quote before we go on. Rolling Stone magazine was quoted in Victrola.com. Does anybody on this panel know what a Victrola is? Scott does. Nelson doesn't. Drew, do you know what a Victrola is? Serge, you don't know? <gasps> it's a record player! An old Victor, it was RCA Victor, and it was the record player where you put the vinyl records on and you put the needle on. Drew, you ever seen a real record player? I actually have. Believe you it have. or not. That was called a Victrola. That was the early name for it. Anyway, here's this is interesting. The future of music in the digital age is focused on how streaming services will differentiate themselves from the competition, how artists will reach their fan base. Fan base is one word in case you're interested. I always find that interesting. And revisiting popular music industry trends of the past with innovations such as the modern record player. There's Victrola. And that was from Rolling Stone magazine quoted in Victrola.com. So raise your hand and wave when I call your name, please. Serge Hoffman is back. Serge and I are now good friends. We are collaborating on a series of art music videos that we're posting on a VR website. We've minted them as NFTs, but we're not into crypto yet, right, Serge? Don't say a word. Drew is with us. Drew, pronounce your last name for me, please. Wheelock. Wheelock, glad I got it right. Drew is with us. We have Scott Campbell. And by way of Scott, we have some input, some predictions from his son, Ross Campbell as well. So wave both hands, Scott. Cool. He's waving for Scott and for Ross. And Nelson Malleus is with us. Nelson, welcome back. So nice to see you. And I'm going to ask them for their take on the future of music, musicians, and technology, The Sweetest Sounds. There was a show on Broadway, The Sweetest Sounds I've Ever Heard. I think Diane Carroll, the actress, was in it, and I'm certainly dating myself. Scott is the only one who would remember and would honor me with making me not feel all alone here. So thank you very much. Let's go around the table and get introductions. Welcome to my wonderful guest. Can't wait to hear from you. Serge Hoffman, why don't you regale us? Serge, you've been on the show before, and I'm guessing I did the math and I did a poll. There were 9.3 people in the world right now today watching and listening who don't remember you. So why don't you update, Scott, you can laugh now. You can update those 9.3 people and remind them who you are and what you do. Go ahead, Serge. Welcome back, dear. Yeah. Thank you, Bonnie, for, for inviting me. And hi, everybody. So yes, my name is Serge. I'm working a little company at the same company than Scott, uh, working on a computer uh, for my day job, but for my real passion, and, and Nelson knows that as well, and, and so do. Um, I'm really passionate about music, so I'm trying to do my best uh, in terms of amateur, com composer, and you were mentioning, Bonnie, uh, a doe. I don't know if you know what it means. I, well, I don't want to give the technical word, but I, yeah. I know what it means. I'm using, I'm doing a little music composition in uh, GarageBand, and, and I yeah. just do it on a, a virtual keyboard. Go ahead, sir. Tell us. Yeah, the same thing than GarageBand, a little bit more sophisticated, called Digital Audio Workstation, which yeah. is behind me. And this is what I like to do. But now with the support of Nelson, I'm going to the next stage, and we'll discuss that later. Very nice. Thank you very much. And let's go to our newcomer to the panel, one of our newcomers, Drew Wheelock. Welcome, Drew. Please tell us who you are, what you do, and let everybody know why you're here. Welcome. Yeah. Well, uh, so I've been, I mean, music has been a major driving force in my life for basically since I was like three years old when I first started playing the drums. And, you know, in terms of music technology, I think I was only 11 when I first opened up my first DAW. And pretty much ever since then, you know, you know, music technology has kind of been what I've made my whole my whole life about really I, I spend most of my time you know behind the computer making sounds and i just love it 
Drew, what kind of music? What are the sounds? What genres? Do you have any heroes, any icons? Give us a yeah, little more. We want I to mean, get to know you. Yeah. So I think when I first started making music, you know, I got really into like Skrillex. Skrillex was the guy that got me into into producing music. And then I, I just played around with hip hop for a while, but now I'm just kind of back to just make whenever my ears like. And what are you in? What genre are you into? Are you into uh, rock or pop or slow music, fast music, Let's techno say, music? Uh, electronic, techno. I like techno. Okay. Uh, are there any stars in techno? You could give us a reference point of anybody who's any band that's doing techno. Somebody would say, "Oh, I know what that is." Anything we would recognize? I think Enrico San Giuliano has really good, really good sound. Thank you. I will look look him up. Thank you very much. I could send him to you. He's got please, good music. Please do. I like that. Can you, <laughs> Scott Campbell, welcome, Scott, and tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Ross, but mostly about you because you're here present with us. Scott, welcome. Drew, thank you, Bonnie. Hi, everyone. It's nice to be here. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, similar to Drew, I started uh, actually playing the bagpipes when I was about five years old. And uh, when I was about, uh, you know, five years old, I started playing the bagpipes and just real quick to interlude on that. I just got a digital bagpipe recently. So talk about new technology and the kind of future of things. This is the best fun I've had in years with this thing. But anyway, uh, when I was about uh, 13 years old, I sold a set of golf clubs and bought my first guitar. And uh, it was a Fender Strat. I hid it under the bed. I couldn't tell my dad that I'd sold the golf clubs and kind of bought this guitar. I was terrified he would kill me. So... I, uh, so yeah, I've been in the music industry essentially since I was a teenager. I, I was fortunate to work with a band who in the 60s were signed to the, uh, the, the Rolling Stones managers management company. Uh, they were called the Poets and they kind of took me under their wing as a teenager and they'd been with the Stones and the Beatles and it was just a great influence on me. Um, so I, I kind of, by the time I was uh, you know, leaving school, I got a job in a recording studio. I was working with, fortunate to work with some of the the biggest artist out of Scotland at that time. And, uh, you know, to, to cut a long story short, I had a, a seven year career in the music industry. And then I got one of the first DAWs, you're talking about uh, digital audio workstations. So in the old days, we used to use these things. This is called a splicing block. And we would put tape on here and we would cut the tape. And, you know, it took ages to do things, which Drew, you do in seconds now with a mouse. So I, uh, I kind of pioneered some of that stuff with a company that we've got a product called Pro Tools. I brought the first one into the UK, literally, or one of the first ones, and a band called Simple Minds. We put it together and it was like, wow, other people are maybe going to want to do this. So I started a company doing that and kind of get into the technology from there. So, uh, you know, fast forward um, to, to now, I work with the, the uh, software company that Sergey uh, works for as well, SAP. I'm not ashamed to mention a great company and uh, all of the music, uh, major record labels are in fact SAP customers as many other ent entertainment companies. So I, uh, you know, should give them a quick plug here as my sponsor, but, uh, but my journey came through the, the internet, the emergence of the internet. I was involved in the first download over the internet by a major label artist, which was Duran Duran back in 1997. And uh, it helped launch Virgin Radio on the internet and different things like that. So, you know, kind of been around, uh, the block and of course we are fortunate at SAP to have some of the biggest music destinations and music companies running our stuff today so I'm still very much immersed in it which is I guess why you wanted me to mention my son uh, so my son literally started playing bongos at one year uh, old 
And, uh, you know, when he went on to uh, uh, learn guitar, he started his first recordings at seven years old. We released an album for him um, uh, commercially. Uh, actually, we released a single when he was 12, and then we released an album when he was 16. And then a second album he released pretty much off his own back. I mixed it for him. Um, and then he just released his third album. He's now 21 years old. So just before he turned 21, he released his third album. Uh, he's still at university, but he's also an, an assistant engineer in Atlantic Records. And that's why he couldn't join us today, because he's actually in sessions just now in the, the studio. But, um, but you know, he's uh, very immersed in the studio behind me here. Uh, you know, literally, we call it Avenue B. So he uh, has his own record company. I've got some sponsorship here for it today, Virtually <laughs> Atomic. Uh, that was the company I set up back in the, the 90s when I was doing the internet stuff. So my son... Uh, has you know like merchandise things that he, he does all the, the stuff on the website for us but we have about uh, six or seven artists on the label we distribute through universals in grooves and we're uh, you know my son's constantly releasing new music through it for him and different artists that he signs to the uh, the label so uh, so yeah he's very immersed in the the business both professionally and personally it's you know uh, it, it's become his life Thank you, Scott, and thank you, Ross. Scott, you're a pioneer. You're a force of nature. My goodness gracious. Very honored to have you here. You're, you're very busy, obviously, and you're very, as you use the word many times, immersed in the business of music and in the making of music. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. You sobered me down there because listening to your history and music and what you've done, you're a major player, and uh, thank you. Just thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. And yes, I do remember Duran Duran. I might be the only one on this group. Oh, Serge remembers him too. Okay. <laughs> oh, we talk about music history here. Nelson, it's time for you. Nelson, I did the math. I, I ran a poll this morning. And unfortunately, where Serge only had 9.3 people who didn't remember him, there's one more person who didn't remember you. So you talked, I know. I'm I'm sorry, I had to break it to you. There's 10.3 people in the world. <laughs> Nelson, I'm so happy to have you back. Please reintroduce yourself and update us on what you've been doing since we spoke a couple months ago. Welcome, Nelson. Thank you, Bernie. Hi, I'm Nelson. Uh, I'm a, an orchestrator, mainly for film music and series. Uh, I come from the writing music on paper, and uh, when I discovered uh, music technology at college, I uh, I just loved it. So I uh, started uh, with orchestration to next orchestration to develop a virtual a virtual instrument company, which is named Inui Samples. And uh, since a few years, a few years, I uh, I released a very uh, original, unheard Inui Samples. So uh, it's uh, one of my big projects, and uh, I'm very happy because uh, since uh, the very first uh, the, the first meeting we had, uh, I uh, I uh, sampled uh, new instruments that I created, and uh, it will be uh, it will be released in uh, 2K23, and it's a, not only a new virtual instrument but also a new instrument that make new sounds. What, what kind of new sounds? Can you give us a clue? What would it sound like? It's uh, about multiphonics. Uh, multiphonic sounds are very specific sounds that only woodwinds can uh, can play. I would I would like a lot to have a multiphonics uh, on brass in my head. It was uh, something very exciting. So I made some research, uh, some uh, 
prototypes and I found a way and I found musician to play his instrument and uh, now it exists. It, uh, we are we are already recorded it just a few weeks ago. And uh, now we have to 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 edit the record and uh, to uh, to make the the software and it will be uh, released uh, in a few months. Well, congratulations! And as some of us would say, Mazel Tov. That sounds very exciting, right, Serge? Uh, I, I'm honored to have all of you here. I, re I really am. I have great respect and great love for music and. I will tell you that one of the, <laughs> you're going to laugh. One of my thrills was I was working as a stringer reporter for a Long, something called the Long Island Entertainment News. I lived in New York most of my life. And before I moved to North Carolina five years ago, I was in Great Neck, Long Island for 32 years. And year, years ago, I was a stringer reporter and I got to go to Westbury Music Fair, which is a music, Scott knows, it was in the round. And so wherever you sat, the, the stage would rotate. And um, Johnny Mathis was going to be on there live and he was one of my just an icon of music when I was growing up and they gave me the opportunity to meet with him and interview him for a full page article about his life and I, I will never forget Scott you'll appreciate this it was 9.30 my time 6.30 in the morning California and my phone rang and a very deep wonderful melodic voice said hello is this Bonnie this is John Mathis I almost fell out. I was expecting it. I recorded the call with his permission on cassette tapes, somehow plugged into my phone. We talked for an hour and a half. And that was about the time American Idol had just started on TV. And I said to Johnny Mathis, what do you think of American Idol? And I think he said, I'll never go far. Something like that. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> and then the thrill was that when he came to Westbury Music Fair, I got, of course, free tickets. I sat in the 14th row on the aisle with my Kodak DX6490 digital camera. And I was able to take wonderful intimate pictures without a flash of Johnny on the stage. And somebody in the audience, a woman yelled out, Johnny, we love you. And he wrote back, he, he yelled back, we love, I love you too. And I got to go backstage and meet him. And what do you think I did? I cried. I cried. What, what else does a girl do who grew up with somebody's music and he's there in front of you and they brought me backstage after? I cried. <laughs> you know, it was, it's funny, Bonnie, um, you, you mentioned about uh, the prediction though that Johnny Mathis made and how kind of off that was in reality. I, I, you know, I had a similar situation, not where I cried, but where I was in Abbey Road Studios with uh, Duran Duran and we just had CNN leave the studio and uh, I was packing up my laptop ready to leave and Alan Parsons came in. He was managing Abbey Road at the time and uh, he said to me, what's this internet thing all about then? Show me what just what the crew were in about. So I showed him what we'd just done with Duran Duran um, and downloading music over the internet and, you know, this new idea that everyone thought we were crazy. Nobody's ever going to download music. You buy CDs in the stores, you know, so... Uh, so Alan didn't buy into the idea of the internet. Yeah. Either. So, you know, Johnny shouldn't feel too bad. He, he, did, he didn't feel, and you know, Johnny was an athlete and he had a choice of becoming an, an Olympic athlete. I think he was a ball player or going into music and he chose me. Anyway, just some memories, gentlemen. Thank you for indulging that. Let's move on with the quotes. I've asked my guest to send me a quote from a fictional character, except Serge got a pass on this one. A fictional character, well, we'll pretend, uh, from a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that has nothing specifically to do with music, and they're going to relate it to our topic of music and technology. So Serge Hoffman has <laughs> sent me a quote from the comedian, actor, writer, stage, film, radio, TV, and vaudeville star performer, Groucho Marx, who lived from... 1890 to 1977, uh, he was the master of quick wit and one of America's greatest comedians. He made 13 
feature films with his two older siblings, the Marx Brothers, and he hosted a game show called You Bet Your Life. And he had a one-piece mask with horn-rimmed glasses, a large nose, bushy eyebrows, and a mustache, and it's still one of the most recognizable novelty disguises in the world today. Groucho. There, there you go. Here's the quote Serge has picked. You really have to help me with this one, Serge. She got her looks from her father. He's a plastic surgeon. Oh, my God. Serge, I'm putting you on full screen. Talk to us. What does this have to do with music? Shock me. Go ahead. No, it's just uh, funny. And the, the proof is that you laughed uh, <laughs> a lot. I really liked it. And um, on one hand, it's really, it's really funny. And it also, it means that if the father is a plastic surgeon, he can do anything he wants, including looking like, like uh, the daughter looking like the father because he could have changed that. But uh, the way I could relate that to music is that with what we're doing with the dough that you were mentioning and with all the equipment that uh, all of us know now, it's like, like we are a surgeon with, with music. We take sounds, and as Nelson was explaining, we take sounds, we combine sounds, we co uh, cut, we com combine, we edit sounds the way we want, and we just can put it on a nice uh, uh, timeline and, and we hear it and we can change everything. And I'm not sure that anybody who listen to the music realize all the work which is behind, which all of us know, uh, which allows to do like sur surgery of music. And this is how music is done today. Thank you very much. And I'm remembering, is anybody remember, Scott, you may know the name Irvin Drake, E-R-V-I-N Drake, remember Irvin Drake? Irvin Drake wrote a song, a little song that Frank Sinatra kind of liked, called It Was a Very Good Year When I Was 17. Urban yeah. wrote that. He wrote A Room Without Windows. Diana Ross sang that. He wrote the libretto for a couple of Broadway shows. Uh, he, he did music for TV shows. He wrote um, all kinds of songs. Quando, uh, quando, quando, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, quando, quando. He wrote that as well. He was a friend of mine in Great Neck, and Irvin was the president of one of the major music associations. And he was one of the ones who fought for legislation that said music shouldn't be free every time you hear it, because somebody, Drew, Nelson, Scott, Ross, Serge, somebody worked to create it. It's not air, it's not water. A human being put effort into it. This was in the era, I believe, when they were trying to get restaurants and venues to start paying for the music that they piped in rather than just using it. Urban was a, a leader in that, and people didn't like him for that. He was fighting for that. So anyway, he was a friend of mine, Irvin Drake. You can look him up. Okay, let's go to Drew. Drew, your quote, one of my favorites, Colonel Nathan R. Jessup, USMC, played by the one and only Jack Nicholson, the movie A Few Good Men, 1992. Were you alive in 1992, Drew? No, not no. quite. No, I didn't think so. I gave you the suggestion of a whole bunch of quotes. You picked this one. I love it. Let's hear what this has to do with music. You can't handle the truth. Drew, go ahead. Yeah. So I think, you know, the music business is pretty tough and, you know, millions of people, you know, work and dedicate so much of their time to, you know, use this technology that we have to create unique sounds. But, you know, so much of it goes um, unnoticed, sadly. So it's really about, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of good, good that can come from music, but you just have to be really willing to put in a lot of time and a lot of effort to even have a chance at reaping any of the benefits from, you know, all that hard work. What you get from it to be money, I think, is the point. There. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, you want to make a living, right? If you're in it to make a living, you 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 want to be able to eat and feed your family and be able to afford the 
instruments and be able to afford the technology, which you have to either invent and manufacture or buy or rent or subscribe to. It's not just coming out of air. That goes to the, the Urban Drake comment I made. It doesn't come out of air. Music is something that you have to have an investment in. Thank you, Drew. Appreciate that very much. Scott, your quote is from, oh, What a Fool Believes, wonderful song, the Doobie Brothers, and the singer was Michael McDonald. And why am I getting pop-ups here all over my screen? Thank you very much. Uh, Minute by Minute was the album, 1978, written, co-written by the wonderful Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald. Anybody doesn't know, Doobie Brothers were an American rock band from San Jose, California, known for performing across genres, and they had beautiful vocal harmonies. And uh, let's see, blah, 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 blah. They, the song debuted at number 73, on the and it reached the number one on the billboard hot 100 in april of 1979 and lasted one week it was the song of the year and record of the year at the grammy awards in 1980 wow and it was one of the few non-disco number one hits on the billboard hot 100 in the first two-thirds of the year 1979 here's the quote scott can't wait to hear this one what a fool believes he sees the wise man has the power to reason away. Oh, Scott, I get chills. I love that. You want to sing it for us, Scott? Yeah, I think <laughs> the audience might welcome that. But Go ahead. But yeah, sure. Well, it, it, you know, it's just I always find it inspiring, you know, because um, the, you know, I'm, I'm quite a positive thinker. So, you know, um, I think when it comes to just the point that Drew was just talking about with music and the ambition to make a living from it and stuff, it requires, um, you know, you not to let people pick away at your belief that you have something, you know. So, um, you know, ultimately, uh, the the wise man has the power to reason away. Uh, could destroy some artists from ever recording music again. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword. But you know, ultimately, the the you know the the you know the reality. I'll just use my son as an example. Is that you know he's got his own creative music career that he's got published and on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. But he's also doing some live gigs where he can make some money. He's got some merchandise. He's got, you know, CDs he can sell at his gigs. He's also got this other job I mentioned in Atlantic Records. So, you know, he's got five, six sources of income that help him make a living from that. So, you know, I think, um, you know, in that regard, it's, it's there for you. But a lot of people will be kind of uh, torn away by the fact they might need to wait a table instead of have a cool job or whatever and it's those kind of challenges that life brings that make it hard so yeah I always find that an inspiring quote thank you it's a beautiful song and Drew the quote that Scott just shared with us dovetails beautifully with your quote right you can't handle the truth it's not an easy walk in the park it's a long road to getting what you want from music but the it's so exciting along the way right Serge putting music together right Nelson hearing those sounds deciding what you want to start with what you want to stop with what you want to share with people the options are it's like a canvas that is never I, I'm a painter an artist and somebody said to me how do you know when a picture is done well it just says to me I'm done the, the picture just tells me it's not, oh, I'm tired, I put 12 hours into this or I put 20 minutes in. The picture says to me, I'm finished, stop, it's okay. Put it on an easel, look at it, I'm done, that's it. So I think that's, yes. So thank you, Drew and Scott for the prediction, I'm sorry, for the quotes. Nelson, I'm looking at your quote. This is, I have no idea what this is. Uh, the character is Ron Billius Weasley, played by Rupert Alexander Lloyd Grint, 
the movie Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone 2001. Can you believe that's 21 years ago, Nelson? I can't believe it. This is an adaptation of the first of J.K. Rowling's popular children's novels about Harry Potter, a boy who learns on his 11th birthday he is the orphaned son of two powerful wizards, and he has unique magical powers of his own. Here is the, the line. Here is the scene, Nelson. I'm just going to read the scene. Hermione, all right, all three of the dog's noses sniffed madly in their direction, even though it couldn't see them. What's that at its feet? Hermione whispered, and here's the quote. Looks like a harp, said Ron. Snape must have left it there. And that's the quote. Nelson, you have to bail me out. I have no idea what this means. Talk to us. Yes, thank you. Uh, it, uh, I chose this quote because uh, most of my today's prediction will uh, be about musical gesture, the, move, um, the movement you made to create music. Uh, when Ron say, uh, says that Snape must have left it here, Ron talks about the, the harp, as you, as you put in context, the harp uh, that keeps uh, Fluffy the dog asleep. Uh, and uh, it seems uh, there is uh, the harp play by itself. Nobody plays uh, the harp, and uh, we don't even know the the magic formula. Uh, it seems that the magic formula to make a music instrument play is never mentioned in the in the books. So it creates music without any movement, without any gesture. Uh, so I picked this uh, this quote. Uh, we see. Uh, we talk, sorry, about a very, uh, very magical way to play music. And uh, after, for my uh, prediction, I will focus on what our technology without magic could allow us in the future in terms of musical uh, gesture. How do we move to create, to create, or to control sound? So it's from the magic to the to the real movement we have to do to play music. Thank you very much. I want to thank all of you for such interesting quotes. I appreciate that. Now we're going to get to our predictions round. Let's see where we go. Serge, I'm looking at your prediction number one. Let's do this. And if anybody wants to make any comments, just raise one of your polite fingers at me. Otherwise, we'll just keep going. I have put in the chat already a prediction for you, Drew. I picked one for you, Scott, and one for Ross. And we're going to do one for Nelson before we do Ross's. I want to get Nelson in there. So Nelson, I'll put one in you for a second. So Serge, prediction number one. For listeners, too much choice. What to listen to next? question mark, will end up with AI recommendations, that's artificial intelligence, and poor development. Serge, it's short and to the point, but I have a feeling it's packed. So unpack your prediction, please. Go ahead. Uh, what I wanted to say is that talking about hearing music, consuming music, instead of building and creating music that we are going to talk later, I suppose. And from a listener perspective, what I, I fear, uh, uh, is why I mentioned a prediction, is that a lot of things are AI driven now even what we see in, in various uh, social media, what we hear into uh, the streaming things, what we can see uh, on, on the movies, uh, on Netflix and, and, uh, and so on. And there's a risk that uh, if the system see that we like this and we like that, then they will propose something which is in the middle. And then we'll end up with the same type of things. But what is rich and original in the music is that I'm sure that all the five of us, we have different tastes. We know different artists, different uh, type of music. And this is what makes it rich because you can get richer and, and more pleasure by hearing something that you never thought it exists. And you mentioned already some artists that uh, not all of us know. And I think this is a way to get in more open is to hear things that you're not used to hear, sounds that you're not used to hear from various countries and various origin. And I see the risk 
that if, if everything is AI driven, including what you hear, uh, you'll go into circles. And I see that in the recommendations I get from various systems now that uh, you go in circle and you don't open that. So I wanted to uh, stay open. That's what I mean. Very interesting. Anybody have a comment on Serge's? Scott, I, go ahead. I, I, well, just it's funny because the, the prediction that you've teed up for uh, for me to chat about that my son had it kind of plays into that. So I'll save it for then. But um, yep. but you know it's definitely uh, part of the discovery process is the challenge, and I think influencers, uh, you know, people that you admire, and you know that's that's mm -hmm. definitely one of the ways that I think a lot of people are using to discover music. If if someone they respect musically is is sharing playlists of what they're listening to and you know mm -hmm. so that's that's become a, a method I guess uh, not the one that I'm going to talk about in a few minutes but that's okay. that's one that I think is important. I have a question for all of you raise your hand if the answer is yes can a musician a composer let's just say a composer exist today if they do not embrace technology if the answer is yes can they exist without technology Nelson says yes anybody else say yes Serge says yes Without technology, I'm thinking of somebody just plucking notes on a guitar and writing them down by hand on a music sheet and playing them. I'm not talking about what happens for production after that, but actually composing music. Scott, do you think somebody could do just very briefly? Could they do it without yeah, tech? I, I guess they could, you know, with a, a guitar. Absolutely. Yeah. Or Drew, what a about you? Or a, any instrument. You okay. Know. Yeah. For not talking about any of the, you know, stuff that happens afterwards, then for sure. Definitely. Okay. And now the question is, can anybody market? their music or reach fan base that wonderful word i read before without technology ah is the answer yes can anybody market their music without using technology technology could be a streaming service technology could be uh i don't know what else what what else is available to get your music out there streaming service or or uh video conferencing some some kind of software sharing it with other people any kind of the technology metaverse. to get metaverse to get the music out there could anybody do it without that today or does the world no the world expects yeah some e even even uh, concerts because now in concert you, you have false tickets and fraud you know and for example uh, just give go. quickly an example yeah. of a very famous singer who plays the guitar Ed Sheeran, as it was all of you know him, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And he plays just with one guitar to answer your first question, Bonnie. Uh, he plays with the guitar, great songs and uh, huge worldwide success. But to get to the show, he's creating a very technological uh, system using phones to, to prevent from fraud entering the shows. So to your second question is no, you cannot, without technology, you cannot reach out to your fans. Interesting. And that's part of why we're doing the show today to talk about that. Drew Wheelock, I'm looking at your prediction. Number one, I'm just going to read the first sentence because there's a lot here. I want you to unpack it. You say NFTs, non-fungible tokens, will not be helpful for the careers of independent artists. Oh, Drew, educate us, please. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems to me that when people are talking about NFTs, they kind of... It like seems like it's like this like thing that's like sticking it to the major labels like it's gonna set us free and i just don't really see you know how that is because you know what what a label is at the end of the day is you know they pay for you to make your songs and then they you know distribute it and uh promote it right and you know people like when the, the nft craze first happened it wasn't people like saying oh look how cool that art is let's go buy all that art it's oh, look how much money this art can make me. Let's go try and make some money, right? So if if, if that, because 
from at least from my experience, that seems to be the mindset behind it. And if the mindset carries over to music NFTs, you know, people are going to want to buy music from artists that have like these major label backings and huge promotional budgets. And then, you know, you have independent artists, you know, right where they started, right? You know, it's trying to, you know, come up with a reason for someone to buy or listen to their music, which is um, difficult to do. And it, I don't see how, how, you know, I guess people would say, well, you only need one person to buy your music where you need a million people to listen to your song on Spotify. But, you know, why is someone going to want to buy that music if it's not going to make the money? Like, sure, maybe they like it, but that doesn't seem to be the mindset behind NFTs. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Anybody else have a comment on NFTs? Scott, you're leaning forward. I can yes. always tell you're well, ready to talk. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with Drew and the skepticism. I must say, when I first saw I thought, well, why would you go to a website to look at a picture or listen to some music? You can do that already kind of thing, because that's really what it comes down to. But actually, my son's kind of, again, educated me a little bit on it from a, 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 a standpoint of to think of it more like a, a Kickstarter kind of thing where people that believe in you as an artist can invest in you through NFT and own a piece of that and kind of you know when you start to think about the different business model of that I think it can get quite interesting so if you've got some crazy idea to record a you know orchestra of dustpan uh, you know trash can lids or whatever your crazy idea is you you can crowdsource essentially people to mm -hmm. own a piece of that art <clears throat> as a contributor to the production of it so I, again i'm not saying i think this is going to fix any of the challenges drew's talking about in the independent market the long tail as it's called in the industry is is, is always been challenged with that uh, scale you know the major labels obviously have uh, the ability and the access to get the content out there you talked about american idol earlier that yeah. reinvented the music industry so you know yeah. it, it it was the A&R catalog of a dream for them because they can bring all these great old songs and have random people sing them and they still own the rights. And, you know, it's, it was yes. a genius uh, business model shift. But yes. NFTs, I think there's still that innovation idea there with it, but it's not something I see um, yet myself on the, the mainstream idea of how it can help an independent artist. So I agree with Drew. Thank you very much. And Scott, I'm up to your prediction number one. Let's go here and let's keep it tight. I want to make sure we get around the table because I have one teed up for Nelson next and then one for Ross and then we'll do a second round. So Scott says, live music performances will increasingly have attendees watching from the metaverse. Now, now Drew and I'm sorry, Serge and I have virtual VR headsets. We have the Oculus Quest oh. 2 and we go into our gallery on spatial.io with through that vr so that's how i enter the metaverse but you can also spatial.io drew i don't know if you know this spatial.io you can post things there but you do not need a vr headset to access the site it's one of the only vr sites where you do not need a headset and you can use your keyboard for commands to move around scott let's unpack this prediction go ahead well, so uh, to, on both regards, so one, I think uh, the metaverse presents an opportunity for the independent market. Yes, the majors are going to be there, Ariana Grande, and people are doing that already and playing big concerts with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people buying tickets. But I think, again, it creates an opportunity for you to have a storefront in the metaverse as an independent artist and kind of bring yourself to to fans differently. So I'm excited by that that potential. The other thing that I just wanted to comment on uh, was you about the spatial audio. Um, I do know that, again, my son, uh, Atlantic Records, they're, they're investing in the Atmos 
format, which is a stereo 3D spatial effect. I think Apple are doing it in the earpods. And, um, you know, I think for the metaverse, that's the kind of, uh, you know, interesting thing that, that there'll be more uh, development in mixes that are utilizing spatial capabilities for folks to, to, to experience a song with a bit of variety, depending on, on where they position themselves. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a combination of of that 3D spatial technology and the ability to bring e-commerce e into an environment where people that can't get to see Paul McCartney or whoever, you know, can actually log in virtually to enjoy the experience uh, and pay uh, for that as well. So, so yeah. Thank you very much. When I was growing up, we didn't have any of this digital technology for music and you would see the pictures of the stars either on the cover of a magazine or you would watch Dick Clark's American Bandstand if they were mm -hmm. an artist who was invited. And then came music videos. Oh, my. And I didn't like them. Do you know why? Why I hated music videos? Because when I listened to a record, I had 45 RPM albums. My dad used to bring me home a bunch. He had a music store. He was a doctor. He had a music store near us. He called me up and say, okay, you did great on your homework and your exams. I'll bring you home some records. Bring me home a stack of records. Thanks, Dad. Anyway, when I heard the music video, it took away when I saw what they interpreted the music to be. So, Drew, when I heard a record, I wanted to think, what did that boy look like? What did that girl look like? What did that car look like? I'm giving you a scene from a you know boy girl in a car a meeting on a date or she broke his heart or he broke her or there was the the girl who came and stole the boy away from the girl. I envisioned what they looked like, where they were, what they sounded like, what they were dressed like, where where their environment was. Something that was familiar to me. When I saw a music video, they were telling me that's the boy, that's the girl that's the car that's what they look like that's how they walk that's how they talk that's how they act so in other words they were dictating to me in the music video what i was supposed to what i was enjoying imagining it the same be. difference uh, yeah. The same I difference than when own... you read a book and you see a movie. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The same thing. It's like, don't tell me what they look like. I, I want to. Drew, do you ever imagine when you listen to music, do you see a scene in your head of, of what's going on when you create music? Do you, you see something? Of course, all the time. Totally. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I took classical piano lessons for seven years. I have my, my mom's. We have a beautiful baby grand gorgeous piece of furniture that's all it is right now it was a 1956 krakauer baby grand and it's absolutely a gorgeous piece just beautiful haven't tuned it in years bad girl i know and when i took lessons i was playing a lot of dvorak and beethoven and chopin my teacher brought me these books they all had yellow covers on them and she'd mark it up with a pencil she sharpened her pencils before and i always saw a scene nelson when i was playing these little concerti and when i was playing these marching music or so whatever it was i could picture something happening in my head this was ages before music videos ages before any of this and i was picturing what the music was saying to me as i was playing it i pictured a scene a, a, a battle scene or or people on a, walking around and i enjoyed that so anyway Leslie Gore's song, Don't Tell Me What to Say, Don't Tell Me What to Do, You Don't Own Me. Well, maybe that's the theme song for, <laughs> I just thought, I did a music video on You Don't Own Me once where I had to lip sync the, and they dubbed over because my voice was so bad. Okay, um, let's go to, who did we just did? We Nelson, we're up to your prediction number one. Musical gestures to control digital instruments will progressively leave classical techniques such as the piano, keyboard, or the guitar neck. Nelson, what is this all about? Sounds interesting. 
Yes, uh, nowadays, the, the most common ways to control digital instruments or DAW, I, uh, we talk uh, from the beginning of the show, uh, looks like a piano keyboard. It's often coupled with a fader or other devices, uh, but, uh, they, they, but uh, these are only accessories to overcome the limitation of the piano keyboard because the piano can only trigger uh, songs loud or soft and we have to, we need more control to make music and uh, i was very excited uh, about it because uh, very recent releases open up uh, the possibilities to control uh, daw or uh, digital instrument uh, a way that uh, that would be uh, inimaginable before and it makes me think about uh, about that. And I think uh, that the future development will mostly continue to move away from the piano. Uh, the piano keyboard was an excellent starting point uh, in a given state of the world because a lot of people knew the piano and uh, it uh, helped to, uh, to, to make the, the bridge be between the music and the technology. Now we need more advanced control and uh, I think also that a lot of people who come into computer music no longer come with a, an instrumental background. And also the younger generation have a much more natural relationship with digital controls than, uh, than we do because they were born with it, they play uh, with it all the day. And uh, if we leave the piano, fingers will do uh, much more than just uh, play songs, uh, play, uh, play sounds or control one parameter at a time. Uh, so it, I think it could be, of course, first uh, while uh, touching an object with a hardware controller. And I think it will come more and more just with uh, air movements. Thank you. Very, very interesting. Never even thought about that. Uh, we're going to do a quick prediction from Ross Owen Campbell right now. You already introduced the first one, Scott, on the Atmos in the Web 3.0. So let's do this one quickly. Ross says, the latest trend in music marketing is the waterfall release, which helps an artist build a fan base. Can you explain this, please, Scott? Sure. So it's actually a great uh, segue from what Sergi uh, was talking. Serge was talking about with the discovery of music. So and and challenge that independent artists, I think, as well as major artists have in kind of breaking through the noise. So if you find a song that you like, uh, you you hope that you kind of uh, as an artist you hope that your fan may become a fan and and like it and listen again and find you as a um, you know a, 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 an artist the next time. So the idea of a waterfall release is to um, release the first single and then after you uh, release the second single to put the first single after it. And then when you release your third single, you have the other two songs. So you're essentially building an EP and creating releases in the system so that the algorithm is tricked essentially because it has an extra song there to play by the artist. And uh, the labels, the major labels are doing this just now uh, where they're doing these waterfall releases. And then once they release the full EP, they delete the waterfall releases. So you just have the EP, but it's just a, a, a trend that is helping artists get uh, more than just that one shot in the algorithm because they, they have the, the, the playlist essentially pre-made underneath. So. That, 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 Thank that's, you that very was, much. Very, very interesting. Let's go second round. We have uh, nine minutes left. Let's see how many we can squeeze in here. Serge, prediction number three, technology brings music to another level. When you listen, you don't know what is a real instrument, a real player. Music composition is a changing art. 
Only those who learn will know and take advantage. We don't know. Like, we don't know who's on the phone. Is it a bot? I have been known to type in, are you real? Are you a bot? When somebody's answering me on a chat on a business site. And sometimes they won't answer me. And that, that's how I know. Serge, go ahead. One minute. Uh, what I like about music is that it's a continuous learning process. Is that on one hand, you need to... Uh, learn the music composition and, and and Nelson is really a master on that. He, he knows so much and I'm really impressed uh, by all, all his, his knowledge. And and um, uh, on the other hand, in parallel, you need to, to know the technology if you want to, to be able to deliver something uh, in, interesting. And what I mean with interesting is with emotions. And uh, when you play something or you hear something, if there's not the right emotion, you hear it uh, very quick because it goes directly into your heart into your brain and you hear oh this is just a loop uh, there's no emotion there's no involvement of the artist of the composer it just copy and paste and that that's it so the challenge with the technology is to real to do first a, a, a good and original song and, and it's very difficult now with the same notes to do something very original right and you can play with a guitar or a keyboard and then you can use technology to make it look like a full orchestra and, and but uh, nevertheless, if it is not a real orchestra, people like Nelson can hear that is no the real vibration of a human a player uh, and, and the heart. So, so what I mean as a whole is that it's a learning process. And when you learn uh, then and you work, we discussed that earlier, you need to work a lot, learn a lot to be able to deliver real emotions and real music. And that's what is nice about it. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Let's move quickly. Drew, prediction number two. This is scary. Drew says, advances in technology will continue to diminish the amount of talent needed to have a career in music. Drew, truth yeah. time, go well, ahead. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily scary because, well, I mean, well, let, let's look at it this way. I can't play the piano at all, but, you know, I can sit here on my computer and I can type out all the notes that I want it want there to be and then I can adjust them so it sounds like a human's playing them right but I, I don't have the talent to actually play the piano just like you know I'm good enough at playing the guitar but I couldn't you know like I, I need that computer the computer to help me you know kind of piece things together right um, and I just feel like you know the, the more that technology is able to help us um, help us out in those ways like you know look take auto-tune for example i feel like mm -hmm. the kind of the major example of that um you know um and then i think another good example would be i don't know if any of you guys have heard of her but uh bad baby she's the cash me outside girl maybe you've seen her on the internet somewhere but you know you you listen to her music and like it's not like she's like bad but she's good enough right and she has that marketing power behind her which can you know really, which really kickstarted her career. Bad baby. Okay. How, how bad is she not? How bad is she? <laughs> well, like, like, I mean, her music isn't necessarily for me, but like, obviously it's, it's good enough. Right. And it, you have all this technology that can help bring a mediocre sound to the next level. Well put. That was Thank kind of my thinking behind it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Scott, quickly, let's go to your sure. prediction number two. Music services will evolve to let you create your own listening experience using artificial intelligence to generate unique one-off soundscapes that don't require copyright or royalties because they're 100% created using AI 
Oh my. Scott, I wish yeah. I could give you more than 90 seconds, but that's yeah. all we've got. Well, Go you know, ahead. this this is a bit of a depressing one to end on, but, you know, just to, I think, Drew's point, I mean, it's already there in music software on DAWs. You can get extensions that will give you, you know, drum loops and, you know, make you sound like a fiddle player and, you know, they'll create parts for you automatically to put in your song. So it's it's essentially there in the production side. But this is, I think you're going to find someone will, will come up and I think I've actually heard of a few of them that, that are doing this so that, essentially uh, for people who just want that background noise maybe in a bar or a a, 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 a dentist office or whatever uh they, they don't care about music to the extent that they want to pay and things so they might have an app they can buy for 10 bucks that will give them this algorithm that will pump out just random melody and uh, it's a sorry way if it does go that way by the way just for the record it's not my favorite prediction but i, I can see that 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 disruptive technology will will kind of take a thank bit more you. hold to drew's point i, I kind of thank you but... interesting and let's wrap up with nelson and then we have one little thing to do at the end nelson prediction number four you say the theoretical stuff that scientists work on simulates stimulates the creativity of acoustic luthery and will allow the creation of new instruments Oh, Nelson, be still my heart. I'll give you two minutes and that's it. Go ahead. Yes, it was to talk about the project of the instrument. I uh, already talked in the introduction, so I will uh, go uh, a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, uh, if I can do that, it's because uh, a lot of scientific works uh, are available on the net uh, from university, from independent people on YouTube, uh, by blog, uh, articles. And uh, th this knowledge uh, can help us when you see, oh, you can do that, it works like that. And, uh, but you can't do that. But if you, if you know what you ca we actually can do, why can't you do this? And what can you do to change it? It, uh, it helps it help make, uh, make, uh, make bridges. So uh, yes, if uh, it's, uh, it's a way to the, the scientist, uh, the scientist uh, look at the world, describe it, and uh, what they describe help, help a lot to, to, to create new things. It was uh, about the, this subject. And uh, I saw some, uh, scientific, some scientists, were physicists, sorry, uh, looking, uh, working on a, on a model uh, of a pipe for a wind instrument and a pipe with uh, obstructed at uh, both hands. It looks impossible to make sounds. They already made uh, some uh, math uh, on this project. And I hope uh, someone will uh, make this instrument in real life, uh, maybe in a short time. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I have really enjoyed speaking with all of you, the stories we've been talking about and the stories you've been sharing and all of your expertise. Drew, so nice to have you on. And Scott, you're newcomers to my show. Nelson has been on before. Nelson, you're welcome back anytime. I love the way you speak English. I love it. You're like, your voice is like music to me. And Serge, my friend, my collaborator, and uh, we are just having so much fun, aren't we, Serge? Putting, I take my art. I've done about 200 paintings there watercolors, they're collages, they're acrylics, and I put them into iMovie, and then I had the Ken Burns effect, and I had some visual filters, and then I laid down a music track from Surge, and they run between 51 seconds and 3 minutes and 20 seconds, and I always put the time on it. People say, I'm too busy. Well, you have 51 seconds to spare today? Listen to one of them. them so anyway. TikTok, Bonnie, get them on TikTok. 
Yeah, well, we might have to actually. I've got to go. So everybody, I have a quick exercise for all of you. And when I say on the count of three, you're going to all do no, no, no. Drew, put your hand up, Nelson, Scott, and Serge. Everybody says, or when people say to you, the future is already here, you're going to say one, two, three. No, no. Come on, say it. No, 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 no. 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 (laughs) Oh, you're all so good. A little ragtag, but not bad. Motley Crue here. No, 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 because that was yesterday's future. Today's future isn't here yet. And when I said that blank space was the future and now it's the past, right, Scott? It's already gone. So we're all here to make it a better future. And I will say a musically more wonderful future. Bonnie D signing off. Don't go away, guys. We're going to chat for a second. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.